0: 2nd Kings chapter 6 and we're going to commence to read please from verse 1 2nd Kings chapter 6 and the verse 1 And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha Behold now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us Let us go we pray thee hence unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us Make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, alas, master, For it was borrowed, and the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Amen, and we know God will bless the public reading of God's infallible and God's inerrant word. Let's bow together in prayer, please. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your living and eternal word. And we do ask now, Lord, as we draw near to thee, that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts. We ask that you will give each one of us a willing heart, that we would come not to pass comment on the Bible, but that we would submit our hearts to the Bible. We pray, Lord, that you will grant the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I take authority in your name over every influence and every power of darkness in Jesus' name. And where darkness, Lord, prevails and holds lives, I take authority over it today in Jesus' name. And I pray that the light of the gospel and the power of your word and spirit would come in upon lives enlightening and opening up the understanding. O Heavenly Father, we acknowledge without you we can do nothing. So Lord afresh, I give myself to you and I pray for the anointing and help of the Holy Spirit, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen. Now just before we look at God's Word, really um, I know that you're meeting for prayer. A number of you are meeting on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and that's absolutely wonderful that you're doing that. And uh, I'm here to put in a little prayer request uh, myself, and Four others are involved in a mission, a gospel mission being held in a little place called Ballyrunan, which is up near Tomb Bridge, uh, on the top side or the top west side of the, of the loch. And we would really encourage you to pray for that mission. Um, there has been some uh, movement and we thank God for a man who, who this week uh, uh, trusted the Lord and sought the Lord. Uh, and we do uh, pray that you'll, you'll stand with us. Now, the mission has one week over and it'll continue for another three weeks. And uh, it's been, first of all, been held in the building, down in what's called the Little Marina, down uh, in Ballyronan Village. And then also the cars, I'm sure you're all familiar with this, but the cars have access so they can come in and uh, they have access for radios to send the message through. So many people are coming Um, both to the meetings and also to the uh, car park and are listening to the gospel in the cars. So we would really encourage you to pray for that mission in Ballyronan and that God will help our brother. Most of you or many of you know Wesley Ford um, from Dungannon here that Wesley's helping us as well and it's really good to have Wesley on board uh, and he speaks each Friday night uh, and prays for people as well. So please remember that if you can. Also, um, if you have a child in with you and you're struggling, which can happen, I well I didn't have three of them, my wife had three of them, but um, there's three. We had three children, and it's not easy sometimes with them in a service. But if you are struggling or they're a wee bit uh, noisy, there's a little crash down at the back, and you can slip down there, and it'll mean everybody has the ability to hear and nobody's been distracted. So we trust that that'll. Uh, be there for you and you'll you'll take advantage of that. We're going to turn together, as I said, to 2 Kings chapter 6 and this famous story, I'm sure most of us have heard it before, perhaps there are some who have never, so I'm going to uh, speak in a very simple manner this morning uh, just to communicate to all from the youngest convert uh, to the oldest Christian and it's the story of the axe head where the young prophet or the young preacher is going out to do some work for the Lord. And as he's doing that work, uh, he loses the head of his axe. And as he's going to cut down the trees, well, unfortunately, it stops. And uh, he has to recover uh, the ground that he has lost. He has to get the axe head back. And, of course, the intervention is very supernatural. Uh, Most of us who have worked in farms or who have been involved in agriculture will know what it's sometimes like to lose an axe head or to lose a shaft or break a shaft whenever you're out working. And uh, this case is very unusual because the axe head went into deep water and it took a miracle to recover it. And so it's a literal story that occurred, but there are many, many wonderful truths Buried in this passage of scripture. And we're going to look at them this morning. In chapter 6 and verse 1 we commence with what we could call an expansion. uh, A real development. A need for growth. And as I was meditating and my mind was being drawn to this passage in preparation for today. I was thinking about the changes in the last year. Or so in this church. And the thing that was really in my mind was that there has been this enabling by the Lord for people to pray. Because being in the Lord's work, the average church today can barely sustain one prayer meeting. Very difficult to keep a prayer meeting going even for three quarters of an hour. Even in big churches. And that's simply because there's not an appetite for prayer. People don't want to pray. And the reason they don't want to pray is because they're spiritually sick. Even though they're Christians, they're spiritually sick. And so when the appetite isn't there, uh, what happens is growth doesn't happen. Last night I was on my way to a, a prayer meeting with a few men and uh we were driving across and we were just saying about the prayer meeting how that some people seem to have a great hunger for prayer and, and others don't. And I said, well, it's a bit like the story of the elephant and the uh, budgery gar. You see, they both were what we would call, uh, I suppose it's maybe Ulster Scots, they were gorbs. They both loved eating. Uh, But you see, the thing about it is, the elephant, when he got gorged, he took in a lot of food. He really filled himself. And when he was full, he couldn't move. But the budgerigar was the same, you see. The budgerigar would eat till he was full, and he couldn't move. But the budgerigar took two seeds. He just put his beak into the wee thing and got two seeds. And then he said, I'm full. Can't take no more. I'm packed. But it didn't take much to fill them. And the majority of Christians in Ulster are like that today. They're like budgerigars. It doesn't take much to fill them. No appetite. No appetite. Imagine putting a harness to pull a plough on a budgerigar. I say if you put ropes around an elephant you'll get things done. The Bible says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness. That means right living, to live right. To be right in your home, to be right in your marriage, to be right in relationships with your neighbors, to be right with God, to be right in communion with God each day, to keep short accounts with God and to have an appetite for his word, to have an appetite for prayer, to have an appetite for the souls of men, to have a love for Jesus. We have never built such great buildings and there's never been as great a grand a plans for buildings. But as as the great A.W. Tozer said, when you see an expansion going on to the church and an extension, you'll know it's not for the prayer meeting. Well, I'm not here to make people feel guilty and I'm not here to correct people Uh, and to really drive it you to prayer, because I know that's a waste of time. I watched pastors doing that for years. They got up in the pulpit and they pleaded with their people every week, come to the prayer meeting. And I came to the conclusion very soon that that's a waste of time. I wouldn't bother asking them to come. Because generally then, if they do come, they're an obstacle to the prayer meeting, because there's that much sin in their lives as Christians. And so you're better with them out of the prayer meeting what I would encourage is those that have an appetite to come and to seek to walk with God and live right with God and then the Holy Spirit will come and fill your life and you will carry the presence of God with you. And so if you come into the meeting, you will bring God with you. Whereas if you come with bitterness and, and resentment and lust and pride and, and worldliness and religiosity and you bring all that with you, that'll bring an old deadness into the prayer meeting. And then when you get into a prayer meeting where that kind of thought and attitude is, it's a dead old thing and you sit in it and you're bored out of your skull. Many's a prayer meeting I have sat in and i do you know all I've prayed? All I've been praying through the prayer meeting was, God, please get somebody to close this. To let me out of it because I feel as though I'm in the, I'm in, in, in the, the wheel. A the torturous experience. True prayer is never like that. Where prayer is being offered in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is great expectation. There's great power. There's great encouragement and strengthening of our spirit. There is that enabling for whatever trials or difficulties are before us. There's overcoming the power of the devil. And there's the revelation of Jesus to our hearts. Jesus said, he that loveth me and keepeth my commandments, he said, I will come and I will reveal myself unto him. And that's a wonderful thing when Jesus reveals himself. And very often it happens in the place of prayer where the Lord reveals himself to our heart. And as the little chorus used to go, some of us who are older will remember where it says, I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Well, there was an expansion was to take place. And the young prophets were aware of limitations. You know it's a good day in your life as a Christian when you realize I'm limited. I am restricted. Perhaps your restriction is because of some sin in your life that cannot be conquered. Because of some secret that is hidden that you cannot face and that you would be terrified that anybody would know about. Perhaps it's because of some fear that you have of stepping out and believing God. There could be a thousand reasons why you could be frustrated and limited. But the Lord always desires us to grow. He always wants us to come out. He always wants us to flourish. You know, whenever you have a little child, a mother or father is always looking for growth. And if you see them going through school and all the other ones are getting taller and your wee Johnny staying the same size and he doesn't eat as much and he's a bit weakly and sickly, you wouldn't belong to you'd have him to the doctor. You'd say, wee Johnny's not growing and I'm worried about him. Well, as Christians, that's the way we should be. And it surprises me so often with pastors and ministers that they don't seem to get worried that their congregation don't seem to be growing. And there doesn't seem to be an appetite for prayer. It seems, it really, it really would disturb me, I have to say. If I was working with people and I didn't see them with a desire after God, I would be wondering what is wrong with these people. And my duty would be to find out as their pastor what is wrong? What's the cause of their sin? Why is it they have no appetite? What is it that the sin, the world and the devil is doing? And you seek to assist them in what way you can so that that can be broken and they can be set free. And they can find their true potential in God and they can find the will of God in their lives. Well, the expansion was desired. And they decided that they would go and pull down these great trees. It says in verse 1, They said unto Elisha, The place where we dwell is too straight, it's too small. Said, Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. He said, We're going to go and we're going to cut down some trees. We're going to go into the forest of humanity. We're going to go in where there are big, tall sinners. And where there are huge cedars whose roots are deep into the world and who draw all their life and resources from the world. We're going to go in to the world of sin. And we're going to see big sinners And ones that have stood tall for the devil and the world. And we're going to take the axe. And we're going to cut them down. And then we're going to carry them to the house of God. And we're going to build a new house. You see friends, why I have brought this message this morning. Is because there are those who are praying. And I'm here primarily for those people. Because as you continue to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to move in your life and to deal with sin in your life and you get honest with God, God will begin to reveal himself. Just give him time and let him work the way he wants. Don't you stipulate the rules. Don't you tell God how to do it, when to do it. Just be open. Just be available and just say, Lord, I just want your will. That's all I want in life. And open yourself to God and the Holy Spirit will help you. He will teach you in prayer. He will give you the desire to pray. He will bring a tear to your eye. He will bring an ache to your soul for the need of the world. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. My dear friends, he will come and he will enable you As you seek him. And whenever you're waiting on God for in prayer. And whenever you're calling on him. God will come and give you that enabling that's needed. And God will bring those who come to preach. And those who minister. And those who are in the work of evangelism. And winning others. Whether you're in the pulpit or out of it. And God will sharpen your axe head. God will sharpen your axe head. As you wait before him in prayer. And you will find that God will enable you to take down big cedars. Take down big strong sinners. Take down men and women that have been defiant to God for years. And if I didn't believe in my heart that a day is coming in this land when big strong defiant sinners will be smitten by the anointing and power of the preaching of the gospel, I wouldn't be at what I'm doing. But I believe a good day is coming for the land. And I believe that God is going to do exceptional and exceeding great things in this land. You see, my dear friends, whenever they went in, they were to take these trees down. The Bible teaches us that men are trees. In the word of God, we read of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. And he had a dream, and in the dream he said he saw a great tree. And on that tree all the birds of the air were placed and all the animals were under the tree. And a man came, the Bible says, or an angel was was given the assignment to come down with an axe and cut down the tree and it fell and the stump was to be left standing. And poor Nebuchadnezzar couldn't understand it and eventually Daniel was called and he said, oh king, I wish this wasn't to be the case. I wish I didn't have to communicate to you the meaning of this dream, but thou art the tree. You are the tree. Your kingdom has extended over all the earth and all the birds of the, of the heavens and all the animals of the earth are all under your control. You are the tree. You see, my dear friends, whenever it came to building the temple, when Solomon gave the command that the great temple was to be built in Jerusalem, he hired other men from different regions to come, and they took down the great those great cedars of Lebanon, the huge straight trees, and they were brought down to the shore, and then they were brought and integrated into the building of the great temple for the worship of God. There's a great need today in the church for to gather in sinners. There's a great need in the church. I mean, there's no shortage of sinners today. There's no shortage of big sinners. There's no shortage of defiant sinners. And it seems to me that many Christians, as I listen to them, and I sent a man recently a little text and I was sharing something about, I don't know whether it was to do with world affairs or something, and he just sent back a wee text, and he said, he said, I can't wait to get out, and the Lord returns. And I just thought, you know, that's the attitude today in the church. Just let the earth and people go to hell, and get us out to the rapture, and get us away. No desire or burden to win the lost. No axe head sharpened to knock down sinners. We're in a very weak, And we're in a very vulnerable position. But thank God, my friends, today, there are such things as axe heads. You can have God's hatchet. You can be sharpened by the Lord. And the Lord will sharpen you as you put yourself into his hand. As you spend time before him, he can sharpen your heart. He can come and speak to you. And the more he speaks to you, the more you'll want him to speak to you. And the more real he becomes to you, the more you'll want to seek him because you know he's real. And the reason why many Christians don't seek God and don't pray and don't go to to prayer meetings and don't have that hunger is because God is not real to them. He's not real. And friends, I urge and implore you today to seek God until God becomes real to you. And you'll never regret that when the Lord comes becomes real to you. Because let me assure you, everything around you is impermanent. Everything that you touch and see and all that you're desiring and seeking and pursuing in this life, it's all passing by. And great Solomon, uh, at the end of his writings in the book of Ecclesiastes, He said, I've done it all. He said, I have had wine. I give myself fully to drinking. And he said, I thought that that would bring a merriment. But he said, it was vanity. He said, I built the greatest gardens and the most beautiful gardens and viaducts and places for waterways and ponds and pools. And he said, it was so decorative and beautiful in Jerusalem. But when I had it all done, he said, it was all nothing. I built the royal palaces, there was none like them before, with their cedar internals. And he said, I I had more gold and silver than any other man. He said, I had 300 wives and 700 concubines. He said, I did everything and got everything a man could do. He said, I got the comedians to come and tell jokes to me. And he said, I laughed at their jokes. I got singers and dancers to come, and they did all their works in front of me. And he said, when I had it all done, he said, at the end of my life, I discovered and said that it was vanity, it was vexation of spirit, it was all nothing. And he said, to every man and woman that will come after me, I have some advice to you. Having done it all and been on the other side of it, he said, this is my advice to you. This is what I have learned at the end of a life. And he said, unfortunately, a good part of that life wasted. Wasted. He said, this is my advice. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's my advice. Young man, fear God and keep his commandments. Young woman, fear God and keep his commandments. You'll never regret it. Because in the day of your death, when you've got to leave your body and when you've got to go out into eternity, and you might live to be old, but you might die young. But let me tell you, my friend, when you leave this world behind, and I have been at the, at the deathbed of men and women when they came to die, they have never said to me, I'm sorry I didn't, didn't buy more land. They've never said, I'm sorry, I I didn't look better and put on better makeup. They never said to me, I'm sorry, I didn't have a bigger car. None of them ever said that. I'll tell you what they said. I wish that I put God first in my life. I wish now as I come to the valley that that I had really got my priorities sorted. And sometimes it takes a terrible diagnosis over our lives before we recognize that we need to put God first. That's what he said, fear God and keep his commandments. Oh, you might think I have plenty of fr- in front of you, some of you are 20 or 30 sitting here, maybe 40 years of age and you're still your, your knee on the grinder and you're ready for to make money and you have your big deals and you're, all your money you're going to do and what you're going to buy and you have it all sussed out in your mind. My friend, if you had to face eternity tomorrow, would the things that you're seeking for be as important? I had an old grandfather. I never met him. But he had some wise cracks. And one of them that he said he was a Christian. But one of them that he said always stuck with me. If men put as much preparation into leaving this world as they did into staying, how different they would be. How much preparation are you putting into leaving this world? You see, all of them, that's very sobering. Man, it ought to be. It ought to be. A few weeks ago, in the mission that we were conducting and are conducting up in Ronan, there was an elderly man in his mid to late 70s. It's not that old these days. And he has had a burden, a farmer, a farmer, just a farmer. He's had a burden for his community for a long time. Owned his own farmhouse and had another wee house that he rented out. For the last two or three years since I knew that man and his dear wife, their house was nothing but a house of hospitality for every broken person. Just ordinary folk. Bringing in broken folk. People who had committed grievous sins. People whose lives were messed up. People who had been abused and hurt and broken. And they opened up their home. And that dear man took cancer. And just as the mission was commencing that he had the burden for, last Sunday, he passed away on Monday. And I was talking to his wife after the funeral and I said, you know, I was thinking about it but I don't know many laymen, I mean just people that are not preachers, I don't know many farmers who are spending the last days of their life going out to win the lost and who die with the sole desire that men and women in their community would be saved. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That dear man had a good axe head. He had a good axe head. You see, friends, there's an expansion. And it meant a relocation. It meant change. And if you want to really follow the Lord, if you want to serve the Lord, there's going to come change. And you've got to be willing for change. Because one of the ways that God will grow you, God, one of the ways God will, will encourage you, one of the ways God will, will, will meet the need of your heart and develop his will inside you. Because let me tell you, every one of you here today, God's will is buried inside you. It's there. God's will's in you. It's there. It's planted in you from before you were born, the will of God. But if you let sin world and the devil... Control and manipulate your life. That will won't, won't happen. It won't work out. That's why the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Make it a priority. The o- only way you'll ever discover the will of God for your life and do it, my friend, is when it becomes number one in your life every day. The will of God. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it means. I don't care if I'm misrepresented. I don't care if everybody's against me. I don't care. I have only one life and it will soon be passed. And it's only what's done for Jesus will last. I may have told you the story about the young violinist. He was very accomplished. And whenever he had played his violin to this great audience in this very prestigious city, they noticed when he had finished so brilliantly and masterfully playing the instrument that they all stood and gave him a standing ovation. And there are thousands. But he never looked at them. He never looked at them. He looked up at the balcony to his left and he watched. And there was no movement in the balcony, and all the people kept cheering. But eventually, a little old white-haired man stood up. And he began to clap. And he bowed down. Because this was the master. This was the man who taught him. He wouldn't care what the crowd thought. They knew nothing of it. It was the one who had taught him. It was the one who had trained him. What did he think? And you do well as a Christian when you forget the crowd and you forget even the church and you say, my eyes on the master. What does the master think? That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You see, my dear friends, it'll involve change. Because it may be that the place where you are, the people that you're with, the situation that you're in presently, you can't grow in that. The Bible says that whenever Terah, the father of Abraham, had died, that God came and spoke again to him and said, now I have told you, I already had told you, Abram, get out of your father's house and from your kindred and from this country onto a place that I will show you. You see, his father... Held him back. His father held him back. People can hold you back. And that's why you must, as the Bible says, give yourself unreservedly to Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I beseech you, present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to get to the place where you say, I'm willing to please God rather than my dad. I'm willing to please God and do what God wants, No matter what my employers or my friends, even my Christian friends, whatever they think, I'm I'm not going to go by that. I have just one master. I have just one voice to listen to. And so change came. Nehemiah, the builder of Jerusalem's walls, the Bible tells us that despite having a great job as the servant and the cupbearer to the king, that whenever he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were burned down, the Bible says he wept and mourned and prayed and fasted. He said, Lord, I want to see Jerusalem rebuilt. I want to see the walls go back up again. I want to see your city and, Lord, your people prosper. Lord, that's what I want to see. I want to see a revival. I want to see a move of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And God said, yes, Nehemiah, it's good you're praying like that. Now you're the answer. Off you go. You've got to be willing to be the answer to your prayer. You've got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I want this, and I want that for your glory, but I am available. And, Lord, maybe you don't want me to physically go, but maybe you want my finances, Lord. Maybe you have enriched and blessed me materially so that I can invest for eternity. They work together. The Bible says, let us go, we pray thee they went together. Unity is very important in the progress of the work of God. Where there's disunity, the work falls and fails. Where brethren dwell together in unity, there the Lord commands the blessing. And I have discovered after many years now in the Lord's work that there are very few Christians that are prepared to really pursue unity. So many say, unless it's in my terms, and it's done my way, I'm not in. I believe if you compromise truth, if you compromise the Bible, then that's not unity. But sometimes the people of God are so fixated with little issues, with minor issues, that the great calling of God on a body of believers to fight the powers of darkness, to see the great cedars in their community brought down, to make that little place where they dwell a heaven on earth for all people, that they're prepared to sacrifice all those wonderful things for little, minute, unimportant issues. Missing the big issues. The big issue of righteousness. The big issue of holiness and being healthy spiritually. The big issue of, of praying in the Holy Ghost. The big issue of, of loving the Lord with, with all our heart and all our soul. You See, my dear friends, these people work together. But I want you to notice that when they work together, they said to the prophet, they said, be content, I pray, and go with thy servants. They said, would you come with us, master? You come with us. During the journey of life, and I'm sure there are others who have experienced this, but I have been involved in different events and different things. And some of them I have come to the end of it and I've been pretty exhausted and burned out and very, very little to show for it. And sometimes in the midst of it I've been wondering, is the Lord really in this? Did the Lord really birth this thing that I'm involved in at the moment. This thing that I'm pushing at and working at with others is, is the Lord here. You see, you can work for the Lord, but I wouldn't encourage that. I wouldn't encourage you to work for the Lord. But I would encourage you to work with the Lord. Makes a big difference. Because I've, on a few occasions, been in situations where we really worked with the Lord. And it makes all the difference, I can tell you. Remember a mission a number of years ago. And uh, I happened to be the preacher. But there was other men, and boy, could they pray. And it was a season of blessing. And I can remember preaching and getting up. And some of the men last night were asking me about it. And I said... You know, during that campaign I remember people getting saved and they dropped like flies. They dropped like flies. Don't tell me that big cedars can't come down. Don't tell me that big sinners can't be saved. My dear friends, I have witnessed it happening, but what I realized was that it'll only happen when the power of the Holy Spirit is upon the place. And I can remember preaching in those times and the help and power and assistance of God was unprecedented. The enabling of the Holy Spirit was wonderful. And very often I couldn't wait not only to get out of the pulpit and whoever wanted to come to the Lord, I brought them into the inquiry room and they came to the Lord and others came without coming near any preacher. But I couldn't wait to get to the prayer meeting And some nights we had maybe 40 or 50 people. And some of them were free Presbyterians. (sighs) Got in trouble maybe. Some of them were independent Methodists. Some of them were brethren. Some of them were Presbyterians. They were from every denomination. And I witnessed something at that time that I don't think I'll see again until the Lord works in the land. And that is, I sat among those people and I heard 50 or 60 people all praying at the same time. Out audibly, every one of them. And the power of God in that place was literally like dynamite. And all these people laid aside their wee petty differences and their wee denominations because they were encountering God. They were meeting God and they realized we have been fiddling and futtering at stuff and we didn't know God. But now we're encountering God and all the people of God were drawn together because they were in the midst of their risen Lord. And that's the need today. I have no interest in any denomination. Or you've heard the story, I'm sure, of the little boy. And the little boy was trying to learn he had just become a Christian. And he went in among all these clergymen. And he wasn't familiar with all the language that the clergy use. And so he had listened attentively and he thought he was well-equipped And he turned to this minister and he said, Excuse me, sir, what abomination do you belong to? Well, maybe it was more right than you think, wouldn't it? Which abomination do you belong to? Oh, my dear friends, Moses said, If thy presence go not with us, carry us not up hence. Lord, you must be with us. Lord, you must go before us. You must be the one who defeats our enemies. You must plant our path. Lord, you must establish us. You must enable us. We must have the cloud during the day and the fire at night. We have to have the Lord with us. But very quickly in closing, one of these boys, he became careless. And as he was swinging the axe head, suddenly, The hatchet flew off the shaft out into the water. Thank God he had the wisdom to stop. (laughs) You know, I think there are many places today and many churches and halls and things, and I think what's happening is this. I think they're just battering a hickory shaft off a tree. They're just thumping and battering and yelling and squealing and roaring And they're trying all the old tricks of the past and trying their best to make these things shift. But the axe head's gone. The anointing's gone. The power's gone. And you can't bring a tree down. You can't bring down a cedar until you've got an axe head that's sharp. You need the anointing and empowering and enabling of the Holy Ghost. Thank God he had the wisdom to stop. And he said, this is going nowhere. This is a waste of time. There's no point in me bothering and expending all this energy and effort into whacking a tree. There's no point. And so he stopped. And he went back to the man of God and he said, listen, I have a problem. I was being productive for a while. There was a time when my life was really making a mark for God. When I really felt the presence of God with me. When I felt his enabling in prayer. When I really had a burden for the lost. But somewhere the axe head was lost. I have lost my axe head. The man of God said to him, Son, where did it fall? You've got to go back to the place, my friend. Got to go back to the place. Do you know what I constantly see today? See people that have huge and catastrophic feelings and we all, that can happen to any of us, including this preacher. God help us all. But you see people and they have catastrophic failures in their lives in one way or another, maybe a divorce or something pretty catastrophic. And the next day, without ever attempting to sort anything out, without any attempt or recognition of maybe failure or a need for repentance, they're, they're, they're straight back in again. <laughs> you are going to serve the Lord. What about, what about that that happened there? What about, that, what about the catastrophe that you've left behind you? That, oh, that's all under the blood. What about the boy you owed all the money to when you went into liquidation? Oh, that's all under the blood. Not a bit of it. Not a bit of it under the blood. The Bible says, oh, no man, anything. And I know the law of the land says that you can put somebody into liquidation and your neighbors and creditors can be left without a shilling and you can go on and sing your big songs in in, in the church and the law of the land will let you off with it. But the law of God won't. The law of God won't. Pay your debts. We're a fella. You've got to go back to the place. <laughs> say, Lord, boy, the Holy Spirit, he'll show you. Man, he'll show you. And good at it he is. And he'll bring you right to the spot. And what you have to do is you say, Lord, I've failed. Lord, I've lost the axe Lord, no power. No anointing. No prayer. No hunger. Lord, have mercy on me. And the Holy Ghost may come at that moment and meet you and empower you and enable you. Or he might say to you, you know, you'll go, you'll have to go and see that man and you'll have to say you're sorry. Or you'll need to go and woman, that woman, and you'll need to pay her back that money that you owe. <laughs> there's there's people I know and uh, 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 I can tell you and they're, they're sitting up, they're not here today maybe an odd time would be in here and I know for a matter of fact those people owe a lot of money I know it for a fact and they've no intention of paying it, I know that as well and it's not a few pound and sitting up singing and standing up in the church singing and wondering why God uh, no desire to win the lost how would you? When there's a man up the road and you owe him maybe one or two thousand pounds and you're standing singing down here, what's the chance of that man getting saved? Judgment must begin at the house of God. I'm coming to a close. I was hearing recently about a boy, and he's Christian, well, he says he is, I think he is, he owes, the, he owes the country a ball of money. Drives about in a beautiful car, but it belongs to all the country. Everybody in the country owns it. But he was around waving at them all. He owes them all money. He went to an unsaved neighbour, and he says to the neighbour, I'd, I'd love you to come to the mission. he give it back to him. He says, whenever you pay the 20,000, he says, I'll think about it. There's no point in you going around handing out tracts and invitations, my friend, if you owe the country money. Pay your money. Go and sell the big car. We bow before a holy God and his holy child Jesus. And we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Say, I would love to be sharp for God. That's good. That's good. You want to be sharp but it might be when you go home, you have to pull the jack out. Maybe you have to go and say sorry to somebody. Oh, but Alan, I really want to follow the Lord. You're like the woman who went into the shop and she said, oh, she saw a fur coat, this big fur, and she put the fur coat on and she looked at it and she says to the husband, it's what I've always wanted and it just fits me perfectly and look at it. Isn't it just Beautiful and it's, I've always wanted it, and she looked in the mirror and it looked good this way and that way, you know, the way the ladies go, and it had all done and then she lifted up her arm and a wee label come out and she looked at it. And she just took it off and she just hung it up again. Noel Grant, the evangelist, rightly wrote these words The price is high, severe the test, for those who would enjoy God's best surrender all and take the road with those who will go through with God. You know, friends, whenever this man turned around and whenever he had told the man of God where, where, he, where he had fallen, the man of God took a little stick and he threw it into the water. You know what happened? The iron floated. Imagine. The iron floated. The impossible happened. Now I would know, I'm old enough and ugly enough to know that there's not some of you in the gathering here today and you've said, Alan, I have tried it all and I've tried my best and I've done this and I've done that five years ago and I've done that and I've prayed that. And, and Alan, I, it's, it, it, you must be some kind of a special person. I am a special person. I'm a special, unique sinner. Couldn't have a better one. 100% thoroughbred. Couldn't have a better failure than me. I'm the best failure you ever met and I mean it. And I mean it. But my friends, I have abandoned myself I have given all to God and I have put my trust in Jesus Christ. I believe that he can do the supernatural. I believe that he can make the axe head swim. I believe he can give an enabling in prayer that is impossible to me. I believe he can enable me to bring down the giants because I don't have the power. But with the axe head of the Holy Spirit, they can come down. And by God's grace in this island of Ireland, forests will come down. And it's the same for you. Your qualification, if you're a good sinner, are you a good sinner? You think you're a good sinner? I'm a good one. Thoroughbred. Couldn't be a better better one than me. Complete failure? Total. Absolute. Don't know how many times I've cried before God and said, God, I'm a mess. Don't know many times I've done that. Total mess. But God has to show you what you are so that you'll give up and let down and say, God, I'm defeated, I'm beaten, I'm finished. Lord, I need you. I welcome you into my life. I welcome your Holy Spirit. I welcome your anointing and enabling to perform your will in this life on earth while I'm here. And that's what God wants to hear. God wants to hear. It's never too late. Don't be thinking you're getting on. My dear friends... God wants you, God loves you, God forgives you, where others wouldn't forgive, where others won't forget, God does that all, wipes the whole thing clean, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, he can take up anybody, if you're willing, if you're willing, and I hope today you are, and that you will do what this man did, you'll get an axe head, and you'll begin to bring down the giants, And bring them to the house of God and see the presence and power and work of God grow again in this land rather than diminish and die and wither like an old raisin. But, my friends, to see God's blessing and his anointing and presence back among his people. That's our desire. And I know that it's the desire of many here today. Let's bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that, Lord, in your presence, the help of the Holy Spirit. And I pray now, Lord, that you'll take your good word, Lord, and you'll apply it in the manner which, Lord, you see fit into each waiting heart. Encourage those that need encouraged. Rebuke those that need rebuked. And, oh, Father, draw out all your people and help each one of us to be sharp for thee. In Jesus' name, amen.